everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis from home again. We have a great show, whether we're at home or in the studio. You know, as is the case across America, there's a lot of work being done and, of course, to be done to surmount the COVID 19 challenge and, more significantly, to overcome centuries of, of overt and covert racism across our society. So today we're going to be joined by a bunch of folks who are doing that good work, not just here in D.C., but in some cases across the U.S. and around the globe. Nick, why don't we start off first with you and tell everybody, give them kind of an update on what's happening in the area. Okay, so D.C. is slowly reemerging. Virginia, Northern Virginia is a little bit ahead of us. There are some restaurants that you can actually dine in with social distancing in place. But what's really fascinating is what's going on all around the area with street closures. So there's extra outdoor dining areas like in Bethesda and in D.C., and I think you're seeing some of it in Virginia. We do have all that information on the list, areyouonit.com. If you go to the Buzz column, you'll find out everything about the Bethesda Streetery. You will find out everything about restaurants that are doing to-go and delivery, and you will find every single restaurant that is doing patio uh, service. So we're trying to keep a list of everything that's happening. Of course, there are still demos and virtual classes and ways to really engage with the food and wine and hospitality industry. And that's all on the calendar. Of course, for more information, you can always follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. David, why don't you tell them who's going to be on the show today? Because we have such a good lineup. That's a good idea. Why don't I? Well, first of all, if you're listening now, you got to go to at Nikki Nellis on Twitter or Instagram and get the recipe for the Foodie and the Beast cocktail of the day, and then come on back and put your ears to us, because Rami nominee for lead bartender, Oficina's uh, Ismail Barreto, is here to make their honey cocktail. Interestingly, one-minute uh, pastry chef Paolo Velez, uh, the celebrated James Beard finalist for Rising Star Chef, was wowing guests at Kith and Kin with her amazing desserts. And the next minute, the next coronavirus minute, she's furloughed and out of her kitchen. Did she mope around? I don't know, but she didn't mope around for long because then she started baking on her own to feed folks and then launched something called Bakers Against Racism. It was intended as a local thing. She did it in concert with some other local pastry chefs, but it's gone international, and Paola will be with us to provide the 411 on all that. Uh, farmers markets, as you know, we've been talking about a lot. They've been touted as one of the healthiest and safest ways to do your food shopping now. Uh, Central Farm Markets co-founder Debbie Mar- Moser is going to be with us to give us an update on what's happening and all that's available at Central Farm Markets right now. Uh, Returning guest, Andra A.J. Johnson. I love this woman. She's the managing partner and bartender at Serenata and La Cosecha at uh, Union Market. And she's also co-founder. It's not at Union Market. Yeah, if you go to their website, it says in Union Market. So there. How about that, Nikki Nellis? Mm -hmm. Anyways, and co-founder of DC's Black Restaurant Week. She's a very passionate advocate of diversity and across-the-board fairness for restaurant industry workers. Uh, We're going to hear about what she's doing at uh, Serenata to support uh, Black Lives Matter and out-of-work restaurant workers here in the city. 
but also about a really powerful article that she wrote. And actually, Paola Velez wrote a very powerful, powerful article in City Paper. We're going to talk to both of them about that, really addressing the cultural neglect of African-Americans in the restaurant industry. And lastly, when the COVID crisis hit, Huntsman had been in business of selling premium specialty foods to top restaurants across the mid-Atlantic. When it hit, business fell off, obviously, but Huntsman chef and owner Javier Arze pivoted on a dime and is now delivering those gourmet foods directly to consumers, but he's doing it in concert with a lot of furloughed chefs whose businesses also were hit by the pandemic. So he's going to join us to talk about what his new furloughed chef CSA box has in it and what you can get. So why don't we go to Ismail and talk about this TBD drink? The name had me confused, Ismail. (laughs) Before you get into the cocktail... Our, your patio just opened last night, right? Yay. Uh, yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of food traffic around the wharf uh, where we located, and uh, people were excited. Uh, a lot of people are out uh, looking for places that are offering uh, patio sittings, and, and uh, you know, people definitely miss the, the restaurant scene, and we're, we're uh, slowly getting back up again and running. Excellent. So let, let's talk about your cocktail program and what you're doing. Of course, yeah. So the cocktail program uh, consists of, uh, so we have the, the largest vintage uh, Amaro uh, library. Mm-hmm. We also have a cafe where it's a very kind of a, a, your a classic Italian dishes, sandwiches, and uh, coffees, gelatos, and things like that. And then we also have a terrace. Uh, the terrace is basically what we're operating right now uh, as it's uh, an open uh, patio seating kind of style. Um, the cocktail program in Oficina in general, we're looking for uh, always to balance uh, things and, and ingredients. Ingredients-wise, we always look for seasonal items, uh, things that are a bit unique to the, to the public and to anyone that is looking for something unique, of course. Um, we always love to consider making things, uh, always thinking of the uh, kind of perfectionist mind uh, so that this uh, kind of gives you an idea of uh, us looking at a cocktail from not just the presentation but the taste each individual ingredient qualities and uh, overall making sure that we are providing our guests uh, the 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 most and and, and most uh, the most out of uh, any single cocktail wine uh, food anything uh, in sort of that range all right. Well, um, well, I got a quick question. Ismail, to, you know, that deck is, is, is one of the decks in Washington. The view there is incredible. So I'm sure our friend Nick is uh, happy that it's open again. Do you need reservations? How do you get up there? Do you just get in line? Or yeah, so, yeah. So we currently right now, we do have a, a website for reservations. It's under talk, T-O-C-K. And mm-hmm. we also are accepting walk-ins as well. Okay. And tell us about this cocktail you're making for us because, um, you know, you guys got the Ramy nominee for cocktail program of the year, which is amazing. Um, and I think yes, they're the winners in September, which is the hope. Um, so uh, tell us about this cocktail that you made for people to sip along with us today. Of course. Yeah. So the cocktail today is uh, the name was TVD before. Now is no longer TVD. Now we have a name. Uh, it is called the Positano Punch. Okay. Uh, we love Positano, baby. I wish I was there now. <laughs> so it's uh, Positano is a, 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 a Amalfi Coast, uh, Southern Italy. 
Uh -huh. um, so it's a, a, a cocktail that kind of is a super refreshing, light, uh, very vibrant, kind of uh, your your patio patio pound crusher. Uh, and yeah, the cocktail consists of um, vodka as the base. Uh, there is a bit of uh, honey in it as well. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, we have um, Aperol, an iconic uh, aperitivo from Italy. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, an Aperol spritz is what we'll uh, remind everybody of it. Um, there's also a bit of a tea that is infused with the vodka. It's uh, lavender, <laughs> lemon, and mint. Uh, so it gives you a bit of uh, aromatics. Uh, there's a bit of lemon juice. And then to top it off, we have a uh, Italian soda. This is a lemon soda. Mm -hmm. uh, so that gives you a little bit of the bubbles, the the um, uh, little what bit kind of, of glass. What kind of glass are you serving it in? Uh, this is going to be in a highball glass, so kind of your Collins glass, like a tall glass uh, with mm -hmm. a little bit of ice, and then an orange uh, slice, and that's pretty much it. So it's a very, a very uh, simple cocktail, yet a lot of uh, different aromatic flavors, and uh, it's you know it's perfect for the weather right now. It's uh, kind of a thirst quencher. And uh, easy to drink, basically. Is it is it strong? Because I'm a, I'm trying to imagine drinking one of these and then trying to walk up the steps from the beach in Positano back to a hotel. Sounds like you'd need <laughs> well, help. Well, it's it's not too strong. Also, it is not uh, weak in alcohol. But uh, I feel like if you have one, that'll be perfect. Maybe more than two will be uh, a little troubling to walk up the All right. steps. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks and good luck on your Rammy nomination and everybody. Try and get a reservation to Officina's uh, deck. It's open. We hope to see you soon. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. And we're super excited and humble for the nomination, of course. Of course. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Awesome. All right. Let's talk to Paolo Velez. Uh, Paolo is the James Beard-nominated pastry chef who was at Kith and & Kin. And she has pivoted like crazy in the, in the middle of not just the COVID crisis, but the George Floyd protest moment as well. Uh, Paola, you're there, yes? Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? So I'm good, good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's so, well, so first of all, you were booked to be on the show before the world went upside down with the pandemic. And then I'm so glad we're able to bring you back in. Um, I want to just sort of, before we get into Bakers Against Racism, which is just, uh, it's blowing up and I can't wait to like get into all the details of it. I just want to sort of talk about what led up to it because you've been doing some really uh, interesting things while you've been furloughed. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, like bake sales has always been kind of a thing. I just don't talk about them too much. I've worked with um, our local elementary school, Amadon Bowen. I've done a bunch in New York as well, you know, um, but I guess uh, as I considered what the new normal looked like, um, while we first understood what COVID was, I, I figured that it wouldn't hurt to pop up for a good cause. And Daniela Senor, you know, she uh, is from Bresca and Colada Shop and Serenata um, in La Cosecha. Uh, she kind of reached out to me. You know, we've always been in contact because of the um, Women's New Guard uh collective that we have here in DC um, and she just kind of like snapped me out of a funk um, and, and was like I know that you you were already planning to do this so why don't you do it here and it just took off from there we we 
kind of transformed our heritage as um, Dominican women. And we just kind of gave the DMV area a taste of the Dominican Republic for a good cause, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that then led to um, Chef Willa, you know, from Emily's, um, just kind of being inspired by Doña Dona and everything that we were doing with the pop-up for the whole month, you know? Um, and she reached out to me and, you know, we, she originally wanted to do, um, something similar to Doña Dona, where it was just like maybe a day or two where we just get together, we bake, you know, but in practicing the, the pop-up for Doña Dona, I, I felt like my reach and my impact was good, but not good enough, you know, alone, I could do a lot, but with more people, with Willa, you know, my, my impact doubled, you know, and I figured, what if I got more people to join, you know, originally when I um, made this concept, I just wanted 80 participants, you know, I I figured 80 is a, is a large number of people already. Mm -hmm. Um, But wait, let's stop for one sec, because you said I created this concept, but I don't think people really know we didn't really launch into like Bakers Against Racism. You created a concept and you wanted 80 people for it. Let's, you know what, we have to take a quick break. Let's break here. And then when we come back, you can lay out what your initial idea was and then how it's, I mean, just exploded. Is that all right? Okay, great. This is Nikki Nellis. We're talking Bakers Against Racism and everybody can get in on it. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Paolo Velez, who is the celebrated pastry chef who started what she thought was a local movement, uh, Bakers Against Racism, that's gone global. And Paolo, why don't you, uh, we were, before the break, we are just getting into Bakers Against Racism. Why don't you tell us What's going on there? Because it is uh, caught fire. Um, yeah, I mean, for for me, organizing um, people, it's pretty easy. I do it for a living, you know. Um, I'm a chef, you know. So all, all I do is make sure that everybody's on task and doing their job uh, correctly and um, in a safe manner. And, you know, Willa and I, we um, got together and I explained to her how much more of an impact we could have if we opened it up to uh, more participants, if we opened up a bake sale that was decentralized and open to um, the guidelines of social distancing, you know, mm-hmm. um, with, with Doña Dona, Daniela um, and AJ, they kind of like gave, we had the, t- the test run, you know, we were able to do this smoothly, efficiently for a whole month, no hiccups, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, this is something that can be, you know, done without me having to even be in the building with someone else. As long as they have the resources, they can also join in the fight against racism, you know. And what I wanted with Bakers um, Against Racism was to give people the platform, give people the tools um, on how to mobilize their food and also make sure that they understood which organizations they were given to. So we, Willa, Chef Rob, and myself, we didn't pick um, an organization, a mass organization to just donate everything to. I didn't think that was fair. I think that if you learn what is truly impacting your community and how you can uh, support 
the black lives that are inside of your community, you ultimately change. Your heart softens and you understand some of the, the systemic injustice that have has been um, imparted on this particular group of people that you might not identify with. So I wanted to give you that um, access, you know, I made it accessible. Um, and that's what Bakers Against Racism is, you know, it's just going for a good cause, learning and educating yourself against racism and baking. Well, I want to get- David, I'm sorry, but so what, can you explain to people like when it begins, how it works, because it's not just for professional bakers, amateur bakers can do bake sales too. Like you've opened it up to everybody. Yes. So uh, we launched the campaign and uh, I, I think that we all now can say that almost all of the, the pastry chefs who are furloughed are considered home bakers, you know? Sure. So I didn't want to include um, language that was uh, alienating, you know? Mm-hmm. So I opened it up to all, you, you join in on your pre-sales uh, on the 15th on Monday, and then you, op- you leave it open for a few days. Uh, hopefully you sell out because it's for a good cause, you know, and if you don't, you close it and then you make your goods and pick, everybody picks up their um, baked goods on the 20th uh, with a time slot and socially distant, you know. Um, what more can you want? You know, you're, you're donating to organizations that are making change in the community and you're also getting something sweet. That's awesome. Right. Paola wrote a really powerful article uh, that was in the Washington City paper last week. And it really was directed to the people that run restaurants in the city. And it was all about the, you know, the essentially the, the it's not covert and it's not necessarily overt. It's just the systematized racism that impacts everything from what folks are hired to do in the restaurant to hiring itself. And her article had a lot of uh, really good information for restaurant owners and and general managers about hiring, about, you know, taking a look at how they were doing it, about removing barriers to applications uh, and more. And Paola, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I found that that article to be really, I mean, really, really, really important. Of course, you know, I think that um, with everything um, that we do in life, you know, I coming from the inner cities of the Bronx, you know, um, I found that the more education I received and the more information I was able to retain, the more of a successful life I could have. Right. And that's not saying schooling. Right. Sometimes it's just learning the difference on how to pick a watermelon, you know, and tapping it and making sure that it's right and it smells right. You know, that's super important information for me, you know, as a, as a baker and as a chef, you know. Um, and when I wrote this article, I wanted to give people, again, the resources to understand where they might have fallen short. Instead of pointing the finger and say, and say, you did wrong, fix yourself, but not giving them the tools to fix themselves, I gave them uh, five bullet points, you know, just see how they can restructure their hiring system, see how they can hire within and educate people to be in the positions that they were so desperately looking to fill in the first place. You know, the industry used to say that there was a, like a hiring um like we couldn't find applicants, you know, the problem was that we could find applicants. We just didn't like the applicants that were applying, 
And that's where the problem lied. You know, we, we would alienate such a large uh, population of people that wanted to be a part of something so great. You know, we watch this on TV, we read it in Food and Wine. We all want, myself included, to just cook and be able to express ourselves, you know, and to be able to serve and be in the hospitality industry. But a lot of uh, restaurants, you know, have missed the mark, you know, they do not hire from within. They um, can make people feel less than in the very own establishments that they sustain with their hard work. So my article was just to make sure that I brought information that I might have already been saying out loud in my own establishments, but to give a chance to everybody else that might have been reading that article to reassess themselves and to reevaluate where exactly they have fallen short, you know? Well, I think everybody everybody can find this article in the city paper, of course, online, but also uh, we'll provide a link to it on the list. Uh, Paolo, you're amazing. And uh, so just give everybody where they can please uh, either sign up to be a baker against racism or how they can get in on the suites and help raise funds for bakers against racism. Of course, you could just find us on Instagram or Twitter Um, for Instagram. We're bakers against racism. You can find us on that same hashtag or we're bakers for BLM uh, or Black Lives Matter in, on Twitter. And then you can just visit us on our website at www.bakersagainstracism.com. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for your time this morning. And uh, we wish you so much success. We've already bought our baked goods, but we're going to continue to buy more. And we'll hopefully see you Thank in the you. kitchen soon. <laughs> yes. All right. You know what? Let's, let's switch subjects and talk to Debbie Moser, co-founder of Central Farm Markets, along with her Brad Pitt lookalike husband, Mitch Berliner. And Deb, the, the word is uh, all over the place that shopping at a farm market is not only where you can do all your shopping, but is a lot healthier and safer because of the distancing and the open air. So how's it going at Central Farm Markets? It's, uh, it's been going very well since March. We were one of the first markets to put the protocols into place and uh, actually have to flip a business model as many people have had to do with their businesses. But the markets are safer to shop at. You are outside. We do enforce the social distancing. Um, And for example, at all of the markets, we do have a line to get in in the morning. We monitor how many people can come in at a time. Um, We watch that throughout the market. Uh, We ask that you don't bring your dogs. We used to allow dogs. Don't bring your dogs. We're asking families not to come either. And it's not because we don't want to see our families. We love you. But when families come, they tend to take more time to shop. And we really want you to shop quickly and leave so that we can get in as many people as possible. And people, especially as the weather gets warmer, don't have to wait in the sun. So uh, at Bethesda, we have three ways to shop. You can order online, you can pick up in the market, or you can drive up. We have contactless pickup. We will load your trunk for you. And uh, we also have our farm to fridge program, home delivery, and we will be launching a new site for that uh, in about 10 days. That's a good name. you can come into the markets, but we do ask that you realize, and, and wear a mask, of course, that we are still under the protocols. Even though some sections are going into phase two, we still have coronavirus with us and we still need to be protective of ourselves and of others. 
Well, we, um, we applaud those efforts because I know it's not easy. You know, everybody's kind of loosening up a little bit. So it's kind of, yeah. And that's a mistake. So listen, we're going to take a quick break, um, Deb, but when we come back, let's talk about like how you're working with your vendors a little bit and how people can get access. Okay. Sure. This Sounds is, good. Uh, David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. You should be shopping at your farmer's market. We'll be back in just a second. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Deb Moser, who is co-founder of Central Farm Markets. And I want to say before we get back into all these protocols, you go to the to Central Farm Markets. It's not just the farm freshest produce. It's meats, it's spirits, it's beers, it's all it's breads, it's all kinds of stuff. So you really can do all your shopping right there, can't you? That is true. That is really true. We have fish, we have cheese, we have we have people that are coming in and doing their weekly grocery shopping now. We have dairy, milk. Um, so you can basically get everything. One of the things that we've noticed, and it just delights us, as you can imagine, is people are shopping healthier. And we have seen the increase at the fruits and vegetables, at fresh fish, at the meats, at poultry, um, and at the uh, prepared foods that are making salads and prepared foods to go. So we have seen and we hear people talking. They are eating healthier and they're learning to cook. And I've, I've heard some trading of recipes at the, at the market. I do this with this, things like that. So I think that if there are any silver linings out of this, it has brought people somewhat closer to eating healthier and they actually come out and see what's out there and learn how to how to make it and cook it. And they're talking to the vendors who are, have been a great help during this and in, in guiding also, people. Deb, before we wrap up, I just I have a quick question. So I know you used to always have to order in advance since the pandemic started. So now can people come and quickly shop? Yes. Yes. So you, can't. So you don't have to order only in advance now. You do not have to order in advance. You can come and shop. We have things bagged. We do ask you don't touch anything. The vendors will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will, they, and we have contactless credit cards and, and, you uh-huh. know, safe ways to shop. But yes, you certainly can come in. It's a delight to see all the colors and the, and the fresh food. So, and it's nice to be outside in the nice weather. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you online. You can find us at centralfarmmarkets.com. And if you ever need me, it's Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, at centralfarmmarkets.com. Happy to answer any questions. Oh, I need you. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, David. Bye. Thanks, Deb. Bye. Bye. All right, AJ. Andra AJ Johnson is a, I don't know, how many times you've been on the show? Uh, Three. Well, you're gonna get your five-time jacket here. Put look at that yeah. smile. You can't see me. What a great smile. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna say AJ is a Renaissance woman. She's a managing partner and bartender at Serenada and La Cosecha, which is at Union Market, near Union Market, right there. Okay. Yeah. She's co-founder of DC's Black Restaurant Week. She's an author. She's writing a book. And she is a passionate advocate of diversity and across-the-board fairness for restaurant industry workers. So, AJ, tell us about what's going on at, at Serenata first. Well, yeah, let's do a little run-up about Serenata, like what it is and, and everything, so people have a good idea about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, we are located in Union Market District, right? So, Union Market, the main market's on Fifth Street. 
Laco Secha uh, opened up in September and we are on 4th Street um, and we're surrounded by amazing businesses like Gran Cata and Nova Bossa and Peruvian Brothers um, and really just creating this really fun uh, pan-Latin uh, marketplace uh, for people to really sort of explore the culture. Um, and as us being sort of that centralized bar in the middle, uh, we didn't want to just focus on one country. Um, our program really spans all of South America and most of Latin America as well. Um, seeing as how my partners are from the Dominican Republic, Juan and Daniela, um, you know, it was super, super important uh, for us to be able to incorporate uh, their heritage into this as well. Um, and it's been, it's been going great, right? I mean, the marketplace is, is getting finished as, as we speak. Um, and we've really sort of been holding it down here in this, in the center. Um, and then obviously like COVID hit. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a fun pivot. It's been an interesting time. Um, but we are not sitting idly by. You've been doing no. classes. Did, did I mean, you just use the word fun? It has. I mean, honestly, I didn't know. You never know how you are going to adjust in a situation until adversity comes at your front door. And, you know, if Daniela had come to me and said, you know what, we're just, we're going to stop then we could have stopped. But she said, do you want to keep going? And I said, yes, we can We can make this work. And we did. And she's done everything in her power to make sure that this business and her other businesses are, are succeeding and, and being able to, to make it through this. So you've been doing these online classes, which have mm -hmm. been really successful. And people can, we can arrange our own class with you. Yes, you can. You can do a private class. But then in light of the protests, over the last two weeks, you made a switch. And you, I mean, you're, you've been a huge advocate for the black community long before this. I mean, this isn't mm -hmm. new for you, but what was it about this moment where you were like, this is what I need to do? Um, two, two reasons, definitely. Um, as you said, I've always tried to create a platform and a voice for people who look like me, because I thought it was super important um, for us to have a seat at the table, and if not our own seat, to create a table, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think in this particular moment, there was so many people that felt so incredibly helpless. I mean, we had three, at least three, mind you, very devastating things occur um, that we've seen happen and that have have continued to happen um, in this country um, with minimal change. Um, some would say it's even gotten progressively worse. I would say so, three is a low number, but three is a low number because that doesn't include, I mean, those are the ones that we heard about. That doesn't include the trans lives and the black trans people that were killed uh, in that same period of time. Um, and so it, I think it really hit a lot of people hard. Um, and it also left people feeling extremely helpless because it, it is such, this is always such a fear and such a big deal uh, for people who, who look like me, who are, who are black and brown um, and are constantly um, walking around with this fear or this burden uh, on our backs. Um, and so the idea behind trying to do Back to Black was really just to create another lane of activism for those of us who are scared of going out in a pandemic and being on those front lines, um, who do have families um, and feel like they need to protect their families and be home. Um, that doesn't mean that your voice is canceled or that you're not doing enough. And I wanted to make sure that, especially for the hospitality community, we felt like 
we were doing something, but also that our voices count and that we are enough. What we can do is enough. So what are you doing? How, how are you, like you have this great platform, how are you doing it? Yes, um, so Back to Black Pop-Up DC, um, which will be on June 27th and 28th, um, sort of came about because I got a call from one of my friends and she, she, she in you know, so many words asked me to do something. Um, and I, at that point, I, you know, I was confused. I was, you know, angry, uh, but I hadn't really thought about how I could fit in what I was doing um, and create something that had lasting effects. And so Back to Black was one of those things that I had sort of done a little bit of this kind of activism before when I was at Macon uh, by doing Women's Month, um, uh, cocktail takeovers, doing the Black Panther uh, movie release, uh, things like that. And I'd also lost an employee and we had done um, a fundraiser uh, to help with paying for his funeral and to give money back to, to Castle Ruby and things like that. And so I knew how to get it done. I needed to figure out how to activate it um, in this current climate, uh, which is hard to do for cocktails if you can't come up to a bar. Uh, and so I called people for help. Right. <laughs> I called Capri. I called Frank um, and we, we really, we were able to sort of put together something that made sense. So we're going to, we got to take a break, Nick, but yep. when we come back, I want to talk about, we had Paolo, uh, Paolo Velez on earlier and yeah. you guys, you wrote as well, a really powerful article that appeared in the city paper, I think last week. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, which is a sort of a, a, a 30,000 foot view of what's going on with diversity or lack of diversity and lack of fairness in the, in the in restaurant hiring and restaurant industry. So mm -hmm. Nick, why don't you take us out and we'll come right back. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And AJ, we were talking about, I, I don't know how you sleep. You're like- AJ Johnson. Well, it's AJ Johnson. She's, she's a managing partner and bartender at Serenata, but she is a community activist. Uh -huh. The deep thinker. She wrote an incredible article in the city paper. And let's talk a little bit about that. You and Paola Velez was on earlier on the show. The theme of the articles is kind of the same. I mean, it's sort of the font for the articles. But why don't we talk about, you know, really the restaurant scene locally here from your perspective yeah. and where diversity is and is not succeeding. Um, and fairness. That, well, in fair. Okay. So diversity um, in the lack thereof, yes. uh, is extremely prevalent here in Washington, D.C. And that obviously comes from a number of factors. Um, you know, wealth um, disparity is definitely one of them. Um, access to capital, uh, access to funding, access to the correct uh, resources to help businesses um, uh, really sort of succeed um, is an issue. And people like to talk about equity and things like that, but equity isn't really existent in our current climate. Um, and that is what, um, you know, I really wanted to sort of focus on. And a part of that is the fact that the culture in and of itself has, as with other, with, as with other um, I guess, sort of situations in our world, right? Hair care, fashion, uh, they've really more so profited off of the culture instead of investing in the people that make the culture. And that's what I wanted to focus on in that article. Um, that, that is a problem, you know? Well, I mean, you know, the, the, I can't remember if you were Paolo, I think you made the point about restaurants that have loud hip hop music playing 
and there isn't one black employee. Yeah. You know, or about uh, managers who get an application and throw it away because they can't pronounce the applicant's name. Yeah. You know, BS stuff. So, yeah. I, I mean, how prevalent is that? Um, I would say very. Um, the question I, is not just how prevalent is it. Is okay. So, you wrote you wrote this powerful essay. You pointed out real issues. Mm -hmm. How do we change it? Like you know, like. We have a platform. We want to help people change it. We want to yeah. know, like, how do we as white people change it? You know, mm -hmm. like, how do we all work together? Like, Wait a minute, you're white. Who knew that? <laughs> it's exhausting. Don't laugh. It's exhausting. It's <laughs> fair. Um, I thought she was from Mars, but okay, go ahead. Shush, let her speak. Um, it's it's less about the cultural shift, right? Business businesses at the end of the day are operated and owned by human beings. Mm -hmm. There is a very clear, it has been a very clear um, understanding that people that own these businesses and these restaurants, you're putting forth an experience, right? And you have complete control over who is the face of your business, right? And people modeling businesses after their own mindsets and their own prejudices aren't being, aren't being socially responsible, right? We are a city and a makeup and have a very wonderful, um, rich history of being cultural and having this, having this um, wealth of culture here is great but people are really only capitalizing on the fact that property is a little bit more easy to access um, well, instead of actually looking at who created and built the wonderful, the, the wonderful diversity in this city. Good. That was the point I was about to make. And let's do this because unfortunately we got to wrap up, yeah. but your article is in last week's city paper, correct? Yes, it and is. We're going to put a link to it. Uh, Nikki will have that um, up so folks can, can get, find the link on the list too. And you are, you are a whirling dervish of good activity. Tell everybody AJ where they can find you and uh, where they can find out more about the back to black pop-up. Gotcha. So you can always visit me here at Serenata um, six days a week, Tuesday to Sunday, um, starting at 11 a.m. Um, my personal um, contact, you can reach me at, on IG at White Plates Black Faces. Um, the cocktail pop-up, all the information about our uh, participants and food will be up on our IG. That is back to black underscore pop-up DC. Okay. Uh, the cocktails go on pre-sale on June 19th. It was extremely intentional. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, pickups for those will be the 27th and 28th here at Serenata uh, from one to four. Uh, we'll have shirts, got the cocktails, we'll have food, just come out and enjoy. We have tables outside of Laco Secha as well. Um, we really want you all to uh, understand the community aspect and, and the time that was put into all this. Right. Well, AJ, you're much better at planning your calendar than Donald Trump is. So way to go. Hopefully. All right. God bless. We'll see you soon down at Serenata. Next up on Foodie and the Beast is Javier Arce. He is the owner of Huntsman. And, you know, before the COVID crisis, Huntsman was in the business of selling premium specialty foods to top restaurants across the mid-Atlantic. And then, boom, COVID happened. Restaurants shut down. 
And instead of uh, you know, feeling sorry for himself, uh, Chef Javier uh, pivoted on a dime and now is delivering uh, gourmet goods directly to consumers while also helping furloughed chefs that the pandemic has sidelined. And he's on now to talk about the new, he's got a new box, a CSA box that he delivers called Furlough Chefs, Furloughed Chefs, sorry, and it's gourmet level food and we've had it and is good. So welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about... Welcome back to the show. Well, welcome back to the show. Yes. Been on well, the show. well, yeah. Well, thank you, David and uh, Nikki. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. That was a very nice introduction right there. But indeed, that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, once COVID hit us, uh, it was uh, we, we, we had a choice. We could either crumble and cry about it because most of the business was gone and there, was, there were a lot of restrictions or we had to come up with something. But uh, I also I was con contacted by a couple of chefs that, of course, lost their jobs, and they were just telling me about the products that they were working on. So I thought, what if, you know, I, I basically gather up all these great products from around here, and um, I have the infrastructure to deliver, uh, and um, we create this uh, this new business directly to the consumer. And then we thought. Well, this is also a great way to get the products directly to the people. When people are, when chefs are trying to uh, get into the um, uh, some kind of business, whether it is a um, storefront business, a restaurant, or simply just coming up with a new product to sell wholesale or, or into uh, other businesses. And I was like, okay, this can be a platform for chefs to uh, showcase the product. So basically, they were they were excited. They they wanted to participate. And um, people reacted very well. We also well, let's had talk about like who curate. So who did you curate? Right, because you have like there's vegetables in there, there's eggs in there, and then you have Nick Stefanelli's pasta. You have pasta and Stellina's pasta sauce. Yes. So so go about first curating it. Yeah, so it was uh, John Wood that that uh, um, was one of my customers before this, and he he was um, he he said, "Man, I'm unemployed." I, I got nothing, but I was going to make this, uh, I was going to open up a restaurant, but, you know, investors pulled out. They don't want to do it. Um, I love making pasta and I was thinking about making some uh, uh, pasta to go, you know, I, I got to get some income. So I'm going to go to sell it online or something. I said, well, let's take a look. So John Wood started making these beautiful pasta. I mean, this guy uses like, he uses bottled water. He won't, he will not compromise. He uses the best eggs he can get, organic flour. He makes it by hand, and 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 I was like, "Can you can you handle the uh, the volume?" And he was like, "Yep." And he just he he makes every single batch by hand, and it's just beautiful. So then then you know then one of the farmers I deal with calls me up. He says, "Look, I I don't know what to do. I I, I either have to kill all my birds or all the quails, or I will never be able to recover. Like once this thing." Uh, ends and I'll have to start from the beginning. That takes about a year to produce quail eggs. Uh -huh. I was like, well, I said, maybe we can put quail eggs in the box. I made quail so eggs we, the other night. I made the quail eggs yes. the other night. They're, they're delicious. delicious. <laughs> they are. Actually, you know, they're high protein and, and, and lower cholesterol than regular chicken eggs and they're fun. And, and I thought it would be an opportunity for, for consumers to play with them. Uh -huh. Normally they don't they don't get to do that, right? So 
So we have uh, then, then uh, uh, Mateo from Mastelina, Chef Mateo from Mastelina was making these sauces. And I was like, wow, I took some home and I made some. Um, um, I used uh, Nick Stefanelli's pasta. They, they, they make awesome pasta also. And so I, I took that and some cacio and pepe. And uh, my daughter was just going bananas. You know, she's like, this is awesome. And I was like, and so we're like, okay, you know, let's, let's put that in the box. And then well, was another let's chef. Talk about who, what the boxes look like because we don't have a ton of time and I don't, I don't want to squander it. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What so are the boxes, what do they look like? So what, what we do is uh, uh, the, 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 the whole idea is to put a box together that contains things you would normally use in your kitchen, but uh, or you, you would like to use. So for example, we have boxes right now. Uh, we have our basic box. The basic box changes every week. And you will find in there uh, locally sourced, locally produced uh, lettuces, radishes, uh, spring onions. Sometimes uh, we still have some uh, ramp bulbs in there. We have a, um, a whole chicken that comes from uh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, we have potatoes. I mean, potatoes. Then we have some proteins like, you know, we have a butterfly quail so that people can just go ahead and season it and grill it. We have uh, steaks. We have a grass-fed beef that comes out of Virginia. Well, uh, let me, let me yeah. interrupt and ask, is a full menu available at Huntsman online? It's on Huntsman. I mean, uh, it's a uh, chef. chef, yes. So we have all the items in there, and you, have, you can purchase it two different ways. One, you can buy a pre-curated box uh, in, uh, for $145, and uh, it contains uh, all, those, uh, all those ingredients. Or you can... Out of the many ingredients that we listed there, you can you can choose yourself on what you want. The same the same uh, thing applies. You you got to meet 145 for the to to make up the box, and we deliver for free if you need uh, one uh, okay. 195. Yes. Tell are, us. I'm so sorry, but we are completely out of time. Tell everybody how they can buy this box. Give us the website. Yeah. So you can come to furloughchef.com. And you can have a lot of fun getting your ice cream from there as well. And okay, we deliver yes. from uh, we deliver Thank next you. day. You know, you, you order today, deliver next day. Awesome. Excellent. It, it is a fabulous box. We have partaken in it. I the, ate all of it. The Nightingale uh, <laughs> ice cream bars are especially, especially good. So we want to thank you all for joining us on Foodie and the Beast today. There is so much going on in the D.C. metro area. Everything you heard here today is on the list, areyouonit.com. Also follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date on the very latest happening in the D.C. metro area. Everybody be safe, wear a mask, have a good week.